the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is The Rob Black Show. I'm going to speak with Patrick O'Hara, briefing.com, in just a moment. But before I bring him on, I want to set him up for my first thought. Veteran investor Jim Rogers predicts the worst bear market of his life, a brutal recession, limited success for Bitcoin. He's a great interview because he really calls things ugly when he wants when he sees them going ugly. And on the other hand, Ed Yardini says the SP 500 has bottomed and he sees no hard landing for the economy. Very interesting. Two veteran soothsayers, two veteran market strategists on Wall Street, two very different opinions. Let's bring in Patrick O'Hare from briefing.com. Patrick, what do you make of all the noise on Wall Street right now where? On one hand, it looks like the worst recession ever coming. On the other hand, maybe it's a soft landing. A lot of heads talking right now. Yeah, good morning, Rob. Uh, and a lot of heads spinning on the part of the individual investor base out there right. because of those uh, disparate views. Um, you know, I think that uh, we look at things objectively, and objectively, uh, we have to conclude that the fundamental outlook is not encouraging right now. Um, you still have inflation that's too high. You have earnings estimates that are, uh, we think, going to prove to be too high and need to come down. You have interest rates that are, are while well, coming down, they're coming down for the wrong reasons, but that's against uh, a Federal Reserve that's going to be raising its, its policy rates. Uh, and uh, clearly, consumer confidence is weakening. And, you know, we're starting to see cracks both in uh, business uh, activity and uh, and certainly in the housing market. Right. And then we haven't even talked about Europe. You know, Europe's facing an energy crisis that makes our energy issues look, uh, look kind of trite, you know, in comparison. Uh, and then, of course, China's out there, you know, still embracing a zero COVID policy, which is going to continue to wreak havoc in terms of supply chains. So, you know, on an objective basis, you know, we have a tough time concluding that, you know, we can just, you know, get, you know, go off to the races here now, just because, you know, we've had the pullback we saw in the first half of the year. We think we're likely, because of these disparate viewpoints anyway, going to be continuing to see a good deal of volatility within the in, within the capital markets, uh, and in our estimation, still uh, dictated, uh, you know, largely by a, you know, more negative price action than positive price action, notwithstanding what we've seen in the month of July so far. That was a great ramble. Thank you. Um, let me let you catch your breath for a second. You know, the lottery is at $1.2, $1.02 billion tonight if you want to play Mega Millions. What I fear is a lot of people see dueling Wall Street strategists, one saying bear market, one saying we've put in a landing. I see individuals getting frustrated and going to the lottery for their hope of getting rich and not necessarily the stock market where there's a lot of studies that say the affluent get wealthier during down markets. We shouldn't be selling the fear. We should be selling the opportunity. Um, you going to play the lottery tonight? <laughs> it's my long way of getting there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I did. I have to admit, I, you know, I bought my mega million uh, tickets yesterday. Um, 
but um, but I see what you know what you're getting at though, and I and I think that that really just kind of grounds it properly, you know, keeping that uh, you know that long term perspective in mind, right? Uh, you know, this is not the first bear market, um, and you know we've had these really nasty drawdowns in the past. And, you know, six, seven months ago, we were, you know, talking about a uh, S&P 500 at an all-time high. So you do recover uh, eventually. Uh, we just have to get that earnings reset here. And that's, you know, one of the arguments that I've been making on briefing.com is that we haven't seen earnings estimates come down enough. So because of that, you don't have a real strong sense of what's, what's true value out there. You don't know what kind of, you know, value you're getting. And so, uh, investors are reluctant to commit a lot of capital to the market there. So once we get a more serious markdown in earnings estimates, you can feel better that, you know, you're not buying into a value trap and that you're also, you know, finding some some real value there uh, for the long term. But, you know, I think this just ushers in the idea of, you know, how dollar cost averaging over the years does end up paying off if you have the fortitude and the ability to stay invested in, in the stock market. Not everyone does, of course. You know, life happens situations arise, you know, that uh, require you to perhaps take money out of the stock market to pay for those things. Uh, and, and so timing can really be, you know, a, a tough enemy for you. But uh, for investors who have the benefit of time on their side, uh, these are good opportunities here uh, to start accumulating some of those quality growth stocks that have been knocked down 30, 40, 50 percent, uh, as well as any uh, a number of other uh, value stocks that have been knocked down uh, on the cyclical trade you know, in anticipation of an up cycle that will inevitably come. It's going to be interesting because <clears throat> you want to see earnings come down. I want to see job cuts. We both are kind of on the same page. One of the pieces of data that I ran across earlier this week was that good tech companies have two times as much staff as they need. Bad tech companies has four times. And what that was implying was that Snap has a lot of people to fire. Facebook has very few people to fire. Um, and because of the pandemic, we've hired, we've overhired and we're not asking a lot out of our employees. And maybe the, maybe the jobs and numbers don't have to come down as much as I want them to, if that makes sense. A lot of data out there right now. There is, and we're seeing, you know, increasing anecdotal signs that you're going right. you're going to hear more about either job cuts or a slowdown in hiring activity. And, and that's probably enough to, you know, temper. Uh, some of the concerns about wage-based inflation pressures that have been elevated here. It's not going to eradicate them because, you know, we are still in a tight labor market. You have an unemployment rate at 3.6%. You know, initial jobs claims are perking up, but there's, you know, still around 250,000, which is not a real uh, worrisome signal yet as it relates to a, a, a considerable loosening in the in the labor market. Um, so, uh, you know, I think that just the idea of, of these, you know, major companies out there, you know, whether Microsoft and Alphabet, uh, General Motors, right, that, you know, talking about that they're going to slow down their, their hiring, you know, I think it just, it, it, it's one of those things that uh, probably weighs on the mind of the consumer anyway, you know, as they contemplate whether, um, you know, whether their income is going to go up or whether they might actually lose their job. Uh, and therefore maybe pull back somewhat on their, you know, discretionary spending activity. And I think that's kind of been at the root of what's, you know, been afflicting that consumer discretionary sector in the S&P 500. It's down 26%, you know, year to date. Um, and uh, and the market has, is, you know, looking ahead as it always does uh, and uh, notwithstanding some of the, 
you know, um, the better performance in that consumer discretionary sector of late, thanks in large part to Tesla, um, you know, I think the market is really concerned that you're going to see a pretty sharp slowdown in consumer spending uh, avail itself in the second half of the year. Uh, and, and that will, uh, you know, make a, a big difference in terms of GDP growth and a lot of plans for capital spending as we uh, move forward. I want to wind here right now, but isn't the bad news good news? When Walmart says that they have to slash prices and Target has to slash prices to move inventory, isn't that anti-inflationary? And like you said, a slowdown in spending is expected now. Isn't that the good news that we're looking for, but it's hidden as bad news? Uh, yeah, I, I, I would subscribe to that as well, right? Because if okay. we accept that, you know, the high inflation is really uh, as uh, I think President Biden told Jimmy Fallon or someone is the bane of our existence, right? <laughs> If high inflation is really the the, the boogie the boogeyman for the market here, you know you hear things like that that kind of uh, lend themselves to the notion that you should see some improvement on the inflation front here, as, especially you know, as more retailers are, are going to compete for market share and will do so by you know getting more promotional. Um, you know that can be a good thing, right? Um, but the Walmart warning itself was somewhat interesting because. You know, they were blaming food and fuel inflation, right, as the, the drag on discretionary spending and other general merchandise categories. And, you know, Fed Chair Powell has said, you know, repeatedly now that, you know, food and fuel are, are those issues that the Fed's policy can't really, you know, work to correct. Um, right. You know, so, um, so it, it kind of also drives home the idea that, you know, we could still see some kind of sticky inflation prints here for, for some time yet, and that's going to keep the pressure on the Fed to, uh, to raise, uh, to keep, you know, an aggressive path with its, uh, with its uh, monetary policy, and, and that could be a negative for, you know, for the market, notwithstanding this bad news, good news idea in terms of, you know, retailers starting to discount more. So we have about a minute and a half left. Is there any last ideas you want to throw out there? Because I've been kind of monopolizing your time this morning. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, we you probably have talked about uh, on your show, I would imagine, today or, or certainly will soon enough. We have the FOMC meeting, you right. know, this afternoon. Um, Fed's widely expected to raise by 75 basis points. But but the key thing will be what, you know, what the Fed uh, directive and, and or what Fed Chair Powell kind of hints at with respect to the uh, path of uh, rate hikes. Uh, down the road here, you know, the market's starting to allow itself to think that the Fed's going to uh, get a little softer in that respect and not raise rates as aggressively in September. And moreover, it's actually pricing in rate cuts in 2023 uh, as early, I think, as, you know, the spring of next year. So uh, you know, if we get a more hawkish-minded Fed chair pal today who really emphasizes the need to clobber inflation and gives the market the impression that the Fed's going to really keep its foot on the gas pedal uh, at any cost here as it relates to the labor market, um, then it could be a more problematic uh, situation here for the stock market in coming days. But uh, but that's going to be a real focal point that your listeners and our readers uh, should really be paying close attention to. I love in your page one this morning, you say Texas Instruments, Humana, General Dynamics, T-Mobile, Chipotle, Juniper, Mondelez, Spotify, all had positive dispositions. What I love about that is you, in one sentence, you say there's a lot of companies that are doing better than expected. Thanks for the work you do, Patrick. It's Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com, a reliable source of domestic and international news that you can use. 
His page one is how I start every morning. His big picture is how I end every week. Really good stuff. Find him at briefing.com. A straightforward approach to managing your money. The Rob Black Show. The Mega Millions jackpot's going to be $1.02 billion on Friday night. I tend to refer to people who play the lottery as the stupid person's tax. We have cigarette taxes. We have soda taxes. We have high income taxes. We've got social security. Like we have taxes, 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 taxes. Your odds of winning one in 302 million, but there's always one winner and it's Uncle Sam. Windfall is taken as an annuity of 30 payments over 29 years or as an immediate reduced cash lump sum. Taxes end up taking a bite out of any winnings. For the $1.02 billion jackpot, the cash option is about $602 million. But a mandatory 24% tax withholding from the federal government would reduce your winnings by $144 million. So is it really worth playing? If you're only going to pull in $450 million off a billion-dollar jackpot, no, it's not worth my time either, right? Then there's also state taxes, which are due. Oy. And there's also the reversal of fortune where a lot of people hit bad luck shortly thereafter winning a jackpot. And they quickly find out that everyone is a family member, even non-family members or family members. So let's talk a little bit about Alphabet and Microsoft in particular. I listened to conference calls like I said I would. And I took some notes. YouTube shorts at alphabet slash Google are watched by over one and a half billion users each month with over 30 billion daily views. Keep in mind the Super Bowl pulls in a hundred million eyeballs and people are goo goo gaga for that. And in the last few years, it's declined down to like 95 million, 94 million. And YouTube shorts get 30 billion daily views. YouTube TV surpassed 5 million subscribers, including trial users in the second quarter. I love YouTube TV. Um, I have two properties. I spend a little bit of time in the mountains skiing in the winter with my kids. And they love it, but they also love TV and they want TV to travel with them. So I use cable for the internet and I use YouTube for the TV. And it transfers from home to home for now. I'm sure down the road, they're going to go, wait, wait, wait. Is this two homes or is this one? Their cloud demand was strong in all geographies with global brands like Target in North America and H&M Group in Europe. Networking, advertising, and YouTube revenue saw deceleration sequentially due to pullbacks in spend by advertisers. So Snap said, yeah, we're seeing a uh, pullback in spend. And Google said so. We too. Us too. Um, Google's the more important one because they're bigger and have more reach. So that tells us you're on tap, Facebook. You're going to see a slowdown in revenues tonight in advertising. If Google can't beat it, Facebook can't beat it, is the thought. With other revenues, there was a slowdown in buyer spend due to numerous factors such as lower engagement levels versus earlier stages of the pandemic. They expect currency headwinds to become even larger in the third quarter. They expect to slow the pace of hiring. Alphabet's kind of important. Um, those YouTube numbers were pretty solid. Now, if I can sum up Microsoft, not as easy. 
Windows revenue fell 2% year over year. Windows commercial products and cloud services increased 6% year over year. Xbox content down 6% year over year, but up 4% month quarter to quarter. Search advertising rose 18% year over year. So there's, there's just too much going on with the PC market, with China, with currency headlines, Microsoft. They're a much more difficult company to digest into radio form. But I'll tell you who was great was Texas Instruments. They're the semiconductor company that slipped in earnings yesterday at like 4.03 Eastern time. So it's like 1.03 Pacific. I'm very good. Um, A realtor was going to give me an abacus if the house closed. I didn't know if I can count on it. Third realtor joke. First one featuring an abacus. Um. But Texas Instruments slipped in a really nice quarter. They're pleased with manufacturing capacity. What? That's good. They plan to continue investing in its competitive advantages. They've got inventory up $139 million from last quarter. They expect weaker demand from consumer electronic markets, which is reflected in their guidance. The automotive market, which still hasn't had its heyday. Beep, beep. The automotive sector hasn't had its heyday of post-pandemic because there haven't been enough cars to sell. So the auto sector should have a pop at some point in time. Of note, Volkswagen fired their CEO earlier in the week. And that's not good news. It's really good news for Tesla because Volkswagen has gone all in. They're like the gambler. They're like Kenny Rogers. He got no end to hold them. No end to hold them. No end to hold them. And they've gone all in, Volkswagen has, on electric vehicles. Because they had the diesel problem that sort of ruined their reputation and almost went out of business. So their CEO comes out and goes, we're going to go all electric. And then it's fired this week. It's like, what's going on there? Look for an about face out of Volkswagen and that should help Tesla. That's all I got for you, ladies and gentlemen. Please turn off the lights on your way out today. Um, By dues, new RoboTaxi can drive without a steering wheel and it's 50% cheaper. Uh Uh-oh. I just gave you good news on Tesla. Now I'm giving you the bad news on Tesla. Baidu's robo-taxi business received Beijing city approval in November to begin charging fares for rides within a suburban district. The robo-taxi fleet will have a detachable steering wheel. It'll cost nearly half that of a previously announced model. Do you know who's kicking our butt? China in education. I saw today that the video game playing in China is going down aggressively. They're winning the war against video games. They don't want their kids playing video games all day. They want their kids studying. Um, Let's just put it this way. I think they're going to be formidable competitors in the job market for years to come. And when I say they, it makes it sound almost racist. It almost makes it sound nationalist. All I'm going to tell you is get some good education. Uh, Education leads to higher pay. We're having a really good day. The Fed's going to announce in three hours roughly that'll change everything then facebook tonight and apple tomorrow we're in the middle of week can you feel it i can feel it brought to you by ep wealth this is the rob black show it's tough to save money when the average cost of a cheeseburger is going up um with that said that's part of inflation that we're talking about these days Home prices going up. It's tough to buy a home. 
filet going over $30 a pound, it's tough to have the nicest piece of red meat. You can see how inflation hinders or slows purchasing. Not sure if you ever thought a lot about inflation. I do all the time. We had higher than average inflation in 2021. We're going to have way higher than average inflation in 2022. That has changed how much I need to save for retirement. So I've contacted my financial planner, Brad at EP. And I go, remember how I used to tell you I wanted $400,000 in income every year till the day I die? That's the most amount of money, the fantasy number that I have in my head that I will need to live while going on vacations, paying mortgages. I don't plan to pay off my mortgage. That's not in my cards when my mortgage is at 2.5%. So I, I said, maybe that number will have to be 440000 due to inflation. What number do you have? And are you making adjustments for it is what we're learning in 2021. I regularly talk to my CFP, probably three to four times a year. I talk to my tax guy, my CPA, two to three times a year. I don't really have a family attorney. I should probably consider one. For my estate plan and some other family issues like Medicare directives and trusts. Um, my plans in case I get incapacitated. My plans in case things don't go like the way I want them to with my children. So stocks today are rising, fighting inflation. My assets in the stock market are, are beating that inflation number, right? But the Fed's going to come out, the big bad Fed, in about two and a half hours and say, we think inflation's out of control and we need to help the average consumer, not Rob Black, not the wealthy dude. But what's interesting is the Fed can't really do anything about food and energy costs. They can raise interest rates and your credit card goes up. But that doesn't mean you eat less cow. That doesn't mean you eat less chicken. That doesn't mean you cut down on your high quality vegetables and go with the vegetables that are about to spoil. I don't know where you sacrifice, but you're probably sacrificing. I get it. Something I try to do that is my, my big sacrifice. Like, oh, you poor dude. You poor, poor man. Every summer I try to eat down my pantry. My whole goal is to get it empty by the time school starts back up. I know you're saying, that's kind of odd, Rob. Well, I don't like food going bad. And pantry food can probably last about a year in my book, usually. So I do that because I don't like waste. But when you're paying 10% more for food you're getting 10% less for the same. Like it, it stinks. Yesterday, I think we got some pretty good news. Shopify announced they're laying off a thousand employees amid shifting retail trends. Your CEO said we got it wrong. We had inflated expectations that things were going to be able to hold. They didn't hold. In fact, they fell apart. That's the alarming thing about Microsoft is that they lowered guidance probably two months ago and they missed that lowered guidance. They had a nice quarter. I'm not knocking their quarter. But things deteriorated pretty quickly in the quarters, what I'm trying to get at. Microsoft posted earnings and revenue below expectations, but they reported a 40% jump in revenue growth for Asia and cloud services. Google showed strong revenue from search. Uh, the company's overall earnings and revenue came in below expectations, though. 
market responded positively to both of those companies because maybe the worst case scenario is built in. Or maybe people are just accumulating high quality companies that earn billions of dollars and they're going to ride it out. In phase energy, they make some solar converter technologies for your home and for commercial deployment of solar. Their shares are 15% higher. They had a nice quarter. Chipotle added 13% to its to its stock price today. It had a mixed second quarter earnings release. I like Chipotle. Uh, they seem to always be trying to figure things out. Uh, for instance, their chips that they make in their store are made by robots, but they have the robots make the chips look slightly flawed, so they look like they're made by humans. Isn't that fascinating? I know you know. We're going to have a robot parade for all those chip employees, and I think we should treat robots more nicely, just so you know. that's I fall into that camp. One day when the robots rise, I want them to know I said nice things. Today, we're going to get earnings out of Qualcomm, Ford, and Meta Platforms. Ford stands for found on road dead, right? How do they look? They've got an aggressive CEO. They've got some hot product, but can they do, do they have enough? Have they been able to manage supply shortages? We'll find out after the earnings. After the quarter, after the uh, close, Boeing had a pretty nice quarter. Um, results fell short of expectations, but the free cash flow, the positive operating cash flow, and they stuck to their forecast, returned a free cash flow positive this year. Who's the most important company tonight, Qualcomm, Ford, or Meta? I will argue that it's Qualcomm because they make semiconductors that go into a whole heck of a lot of electronics. Meta, we already know they're going to spend billions on the metaverse. And they could actually have a slowdown in advertising, like a drop in advertising. Google already told us. And Ford, we've already seen GM's numbers and Tesla's numbers. So there's probably nothing in that magic hat to pull out. But the Fed, the FOMC, how do I, how do I push aside my, my lost lore and love for the Fed and Jerome Powell, Jay Powell, his plots and dots? Today's the day. So tomorrow it's going to be, ah, that was good. Friday it's going to be, we need a cigarette after Apple. And then we're going to get kind of boring again. We're, it, it, there's still a lot more earnings, but this week over 30% of the companies S&P 500 drop earnings. We're going to be deep enough into it that we can look back and go, okay, we get the picture. Next week it's going to be like, oh, when's the next CPI number come out? When's the next Fed meeting? How's back to school looking? That's how we roll. So will I play the mega lottery? And the answer is no. Um, the person who wins the mega jackpot is a man named Uncle. His name's Sam. Uncle Sam wins the mega millions. The pot has surged to over $1 billion. The windfall could be taken in 30 payments over 29 years, or the more popular cash up front. But if you win a billion dollars in a jackpot, you only get 602 million. What, what, what? And then you lose out of that 144 million due to mandatory tax withholdings from the federal government. Um, so that cuts you down 144 million. And then if your income's over 500 million for the year, you pay an extra 13,000. If your income's over 500,000, that's what I'm going to say. I don't know what I said. Uh, too many numbers right now. 
but ultimately uncle sam's gonna take 222 million of your 602 million dollars and then the state's probably gonna take 10 percent if you live in california and that's even before you hire an attorney a financial advisor a tax advisor not worth my time 330 million I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com. So honestly, looking at the stock market on a day-by-day basis, I think is a weird vanity that we all want to do. News wants me to hit big round numbers because you, the TV viewer, needs big round numbers. It's not really my thing. Today... Anything that happens before 11 Pacific time when the Federal Reserve is set to raise interest rates by another 75 basis points is meaningless. What they say after they raise rates will probably give us a little bit of guidance on inflation, which will give us a little bit of thought on recession, which will give us a little bit of thought on earnings cuts. It's a reflective process. What you're going to learn is that last year, 2021, we hit 70 all-time highs. And this year, probably not. I would be thrilled to be down 10% for the year. Um, Can we put a little bit of year in rally that is looking forward to next year? This year's losing setup, will it set up a recession that we'll get through? Will it set up rampant inflation that we'll get through? When do we start looking at more normalized numbers? That's what, why we're paying attention to the Fed today. And then after the market closes, we get Facebook. And I can't wait. Mark Zuckerberg is just a hot mess of a public speaker. He is a train wreck of a human being when he talks because he doesn't, he doesn't like doing the dirty work. Um, he likes talking exciting, cool. He wants to be the next Steve Jobs where he has the next big thing lined up and he doesn't. Now, What I really want to push in this last segment today is recession fears and rising rates are buying opportunity for affluent Americans, and you too can be affluent. There's apps out there like Robinhood and Acorns, which are fine apps so you can buy stocks. The best time I've ever bought stocks were during recessions in the United States. Before them, during them, slightly after them. The worst time for me to buy stocks was 2021, one of the greatest years ever as stocks hit all-time highs 70 times. The wealth management units of big companies like Morgan Stanley and Bank of America, they've posted double-digit loan growth in the second quarter brought on by a rise in mortgages and loans backed by assets like stocks and bond portfolios. The wealthier subset of American society is tapping their securities-backed credit lines to buy up stocks on the cheap. It is not the headline that you see. It's not the headline that you hear. You hear inflation. You hear war. You hear recession. Morgan Stanley says that mortgages rose 30% in its wealth unit from a year earlier to $50 million, while the securities and asset-backed loans rose 23% to $93 million. Um, Bank of America said its management loans increased 12%, outpacing the 4% increase in the consumer bank division. Consumer's not the winner here. It's the affluent. But you too can be the affluent or act like the affluent by continuing to invest in a down market or by looking around and saying, hey, I forgot to invest my health savings account. Now might be a good time to put it into an asset that's not cash. Uh Uh-oh, risk. 
But that asset that is not cash, the SP 500, is also down 20% for the year. So some of that risk has been taken out. Is it guaranteed? No, there are no guarantees. If Putin gets really nervous and drops a nuke, anything can happen. That's like if 24 were real, and it feels like it's real, doesn't it? With the January 6th insurrection, that's a plot right out of 24 and Jack Bauer. And you throw in Russia invading Ukraine on top of it, and boy, you would have another series for Jack Bauer to return. JP Morgan and Wells Fargo saw their loan books rise by 7 and 8% in the second quarter. So wealthy people are borrowing. The growth of asset-backed borrowing indicates a resilient economic sentiment from richer U.S. consumers who we've been through this before. And we know that Rob Black has once said the best time I've ever invested was in down markets. I hate being the bearer of bad news to you. Will it last one month more? Will it last six months more? I think it'll last under three years total. And it could be six months to three years. Three years would be an extendedly bad rough patch. Six months would be incredibly easy, but we're already six months in. We're seven months in. So I'm not telling you what to do. I consult with my financial planner on big picture things. I think you should consult with a financial planner. If you need a referral to a financial planner, let me know. Rob at robblackshow.com. Me and my financial planner have been talking about income needs as I start switching to more gray hair. And oh, this was an embarrassment. That was the DMV the other day. I said... I had to fill out my real ID and I put in brown hair and the person looked up and she goes, don't you think it's more gray? <laughs> I'm like, I would fire you, but I can't fire you. But I wanted to start screaming, you're fired. Um, let's take a look at the markets. We're having a very positive day because Microsoft wasn't so bad. And that shouldn't be a, a caused uh, party. We could still get worse with inflation headlines and a Fed that, you know, fights inflation with higher interest rates to the point that they overdo it. What we would want to hear today is we're starting to see some positive reactions in real estate. We want to hear that. We want to hear the Fed say we're starting to see some inflation pressures come out of certain assets like stocks and real estate. Pending home sales fell 20% in June. So that's happened. And that's on a year-over-year basis. If you look at a month-to-month, it's down 8.6%. The West saw a 19.2% drop in real estate uh, sales. And that's because mortgage rates have gone from 3% to 6% this year. There's indication that mortgage rates may be topping or very close to a cyclical high. The best time to buy a home, if I were to predict the way this is lining up, would be sometime like November, December of this year. Because rates will start to stabilize as investors pour more money into bonds and bonds will stabilize the interest rate and that'll set people up for, oh, this is what I can truly afford. Now, we're seeing the most price drops ever aggressively across the board in homes for sale right now. Best time to let some of that air out. Maybe that could last till November. I don't know. That's what I'm seeing. You can see me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Need a referral to a financial planner? Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. 
Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.